But listeners at home, we are getting together again tonight for a journal club. Our host tonight is Dr. Melanie Wiseman. She is a internal medicine third-year resident. She is a physician in military medicine, a future chief resident, a graduate of Indiana University School of Medicine, the breaker of chains, the mother of dragons, and first of her name. <laughs> How are you doing tonight, Melanie? Good. How are you, Andy? Happy to be here, happy to be having this conversation with you about this article. So the article you brought for us today is a brand new, hot, fresh off the press article from the New England Journal of Medicine. This is a group of physicians for the most part. Um, primary researcher on it was Gail D. Daley. And their, prime, their uh, title of their article was Physical Therapy versus Glutocorticoid Injection for Osteoarthritis of the Knee. Tell us a little bit about this article that you brought for us. So to give you guys a little bit of background, Andy and I are married, and like he said, I'm an internal medicine physician. One of my roles in residency is as a primary care physician, and he is a physical therapist, as you all probably know, who um, has recently completed an orthopedic um, residency. That's right, right? That's okay. correct. I don't want to say his things wrong. So basically... Mm-hmm. You know, when I saw this article, I thought it was interesting kind of from, like, our dynamic. Um, And so, basically, this is a randomized controlled trial that compared physical therapy with glucocorticoid injection in the primary care setting in a U.S. military health system. So, pretty applicable to my practice, and um, I thought to his as well. So, basically, they were trying to answer the question... Um, In patients with knee osteoarthritis, how does physical therapy compare with glucocorticoid injections for pain and physical function? And they measured people over a year. And so um, you can't really, well, I guess you kind of could, but it's really hard to blind, right? So the, the people giving the injections weren't blinded, like everyone got a glucocorticoid injection um, if they were randomized to that group. It wasn't um, like a glucocorticoid injection or a placebo. And then um, the patients can't be blinded, um, or the patients weren't blinded, I should say. It would be really hard to to set up that trial if they were. And then... um, But the treatment allocation was concealed, and the data collectors were blinded. Um, So that part was. And they were blinded very well. I think they surveyed how well they were blinded at every patient assessment. And it was like 616 times, only 11 times did the the patient mess up the blinding. Yeah, that's a good point. And... um, they had taught the patients how to do it beforehand, how to not reveal um, basically what treatment they got to the data collector. So um, they obviously did that well. Um, and so this was done in two military hospitals in the United States, um, one in Washington and one in Texas, Washington State. Um, and there were 156 patients, and they were age 38 or older with a mean age of 56. And then they had to meet the American College of Rheumatology osteoarthritis criteria in one or both knees. And then they had to have radiologic confirmation. So they used the Kellgren-Lawrence grades 1 to 4 for osteoarthritis. 
Um, and so basically what they did were, oh, and I should say they, they excluded people who had a glucocorticoid injection or physical therapy for knee pain in the past 12 months and having like glucocorticoid injections of the knee in the last 12 months or being unwilling to get glucocorticoid injections of the knee was like the number one reason people were excluded. Right. So um, you brought up earlier that it's hard to blind patients um, to the treatment that they receive. But one of the ways that you can at least at least move towards that is by selecting patients who haven't received this intervention before. Because if they haven't received the intervention before, they're less likely to already have a preconceived conception of like how it's going to go. So I think, you know, as far as, you know, setting up the methodology of the study, that's the best the best they could do blinding wise. Right. No, I understand what you're saying. Um, do you want me to go into the interventions? Um, the other thing I was um, going to ask about is, you know, since these were comparing two different treatment groups, both of these groups are receiving treatment, they didn't necessarily have a control group that was just kind of going through natural history. They did provide the same education session to all of the people, but they didn't have a group that just got the education and then was left to do on their own. Do you think that would have any implications as to... Um, this study? Um, I guess that's a good question. I, it, it would basically help to say whether or not, right, like whether or not glucocorticoid injections and physical therapy and or, I guess, physical therapy are better than just education, um, which I guess is, uh, would potentially be valuable. But I also think that's hard because I, as a primary care cl clinician, know that we get not a ton of time for education in our clinic. And so I think that um, they either get a glucocorticoid injection in our clinic or they get referral to orthopedic and ro or rheumatology, which is like the, the physicians who did the injections in this study, or they get a referral to PT um, and maybe, like, if they're lucky, a printout of some exercises to do and start on the way to PT. Um, so I guess what I'm saying is, like, how, I don't know how clinically relevant that is because I don't know how many primary care doctors or would be doing that type of education, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Oh, that makes total sense because um, as far as, like you said, um, clinically relevant, it's patients are going to be getting one of these two treatments very few patients are going to be receiving just education and then being sent out. Um, I do think that, you know, with a condition like knee osteoarthritis, which is a chronic condition, which does have its ups and downs, its flares and calming down of pain, that having um, a bit of understanding about the natural history of it and knowing that there are some people who just get better and there's some people who just get worse, regardless of what intervention they get, is useful. But yes, for as far as clinical application, I agree with you that this is um, very um, real world. Yeah. And I mean, this is just my personal bias from having my own clinic. And so maybe I'm worse at this than other physicians, but I think that physical therapy probably does a better, um, job of education with NEOA if they're seeing a person for NEOA than I do in a primary care clinic. And that's just because of the simple fact that I'm probably also talking to them about their diabetes and hypertension. And if they don't have those two things, um, at least like cancer screenings in this age group and vac vaccinations and all that kind of stuff. And so 
um, I probably just don't spend as much time on education as a physical therapist would. I would I would hope that you're correct in most situations, but hey, sometimes I just want to talk to my patients about um, the weather or a sports game or um, I don't know politics. The Mandalorian. The Mandalorian. That'd be yep, that'd be good too. This is the way. This is. All right. How do they set up this study? Uh, what were their intervention? Uh, we already know what their intervention groups were, but. Yeah, so, right, so we know physical therapy and glucocorticoid injections. So if they were getting physical therapy, then they had um, eight or less sessions over four to six weeks. And then if needed, like based on the physical therapist assessment, then they had one to three sessions at four and nine months. And so 78 um, people underwent that group. And then the other 78 went the um, underwent the interarticular glucocorticoid glucocorticoid injections and so they were given those um, in one or both knees depending on um, where they had pain and a diagnosis of osteoarthritis and so they were given one injection and then if needed at four and nine months um, another injection also based on like patient symptoms and the discretion of the physician. And with that um the average ended up being 2.6 injections for the patients. So probably the majority of them were receiving three injections, and there were probably a very small number of them that were only receiving one injection, if that was our average. Right, and I would say at least with um, like my sample size you know, of primary care patients that I see, that's pretty standard. You know, we try to say like every five to six months for glucocorticoid um, injections. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll, I do these in clinic. Um, but um, I think that that's also standard for what I've seen with like rheumatology and orthopedics clinics as well. Okay. And for the physical therapy. So if you're a physical therapist listening to this and you're like, ah, another one of those studies where they said they did some physical therapy and they didn't specify. If you find the um, 2016 article that they cite in this one. And then from the 2016 article, you find the supplementary appendix one and appendix two. Then you can actually see what kind of physical therapy they did. So quick summary, so you guys don't have to do the sleuthing that I did. Um, the first visit was an examination. Um, all parts of the body were assessed. Um, the hip, the back, the knee, the ankle, the foot. Um, the th physical therapist is going to get to determine if any of those things also needed to be treated as well as the knee. Um, the treatments they were able to use were manual therapy and reinforcing exercise. So the reinforcing exercises included, but was not limited to, quad sets, heel slides, mini squats, banded terminal knee extension, hamstring stretch, calf stretch, and prone quad stretch. None of these things um, were done against resistance other than the mini squat obviously being done against the patient's body weight. So I think that's clear to point out that this was not necessarily a strengthening kind of intervention. This was a little bit more heavily focused on mobility and maybe you could say it's an activity. Now the manual therapy was a much more extensive list. We've got grade three to four extension mobilizations, valgus mobilization, varus mobilization. We've got internal and external tibial rotation mobilizations, end range knee flexion with overpressure, knee flexion with distraction, grade four um, patellofemoral lateral and medial glides, grade three rotational glides. I didn't even know the kneecap spun, but I guess you can spin it if you push hard enough. 
grade four tibial femoral anterior to posterior to posterior to anterior soft tissue mobilization to the quad and a flex knee soft tissue mobilization to the quad and an extended knee manual quad stretching and manual hamstring stretching they spent a lot of time on manual therapy so i wonder if this is almost a manual therapy study versus you know for for physical therapy rather than a kind of all-inclusive physical therapy study because it does seem like these people who are orthopedic certified specialists but also fellows of of manual therapy definitely wanted to focus on showing off their manual therapy skills yeah (laughs) melanie nods narrating (laughs) i didn't find that supplemental index because i'm not a physical therapist and um i don't think i would have understood it that well and also i'm didn't take the time to look so So, thank you andy these therapists were stretching out these knees with their own hands all which ways basically Is there anything else you want to talk about for interventions, or do you want to move on to... No, that was mostly my point, is that um, some therapists may approach um, NEOA in different ways. So I do like that they laid out what they did. I This is not necessarily how I personally would go about treating NEOA. I would definitely be trying to put a little bit more load through the joint and actually try to improve some strengthening you know, trying to improve some strength around, but they weren't going for a strength program. They were trying to reduce pain and disability. And if they believed these interventions were good at reducing pain and disability, then this is a, these are the interventions they should have chosen. Nothing wrong with that. Very good. So if we're going to talk about um, the, the results, the primary outcome of the study was the Womack score. So I don't know if you want to talk a little bit mm-hmm. about the Womack score. Um, so basically, I think Andy might want to talk about it in more detail, but this is a score that um, the patients, uh, I guess, fill out, give, and they have different aspects of pain, stiffness, and function. Um, so it, what else do you want to say about that? Right. So this is a patient-reported outcome. So this is a patient's perception of their own, what, you know, how limited or how not limited they are. Because this is scored on a scale of 0 to 5, where 0 is not limited at all, 5, or sorry, not 5, of 4, and 4 is very limited. So they have five questions about pain. So with an activity, how much pain do you have? They have two about stiffness which is an important question for our osteoarthritis people. And then actually 17 questions about different functions that include just basically activities of daily living like stairs, bending to get to the floor, walking, going shopping, putting on socks, important things. But how the patient perceives that they are limited or not limited in those things. I do find in a lot of PT literature is that when you have two groups, one that's being seen by a therapist in person, in clinic, being worked with directly on these things versus any other group that's doing an intervention that has less face-to-face time, when it comes to feeling more confident in doing these activities, the people who get the more clinical time tend to do better in these things. I don't know if it's a effect of the intervention or if it's an effect of the being with the clinician that motivates you to do these things makes you less fearful of these things or normalizes the experience but there definitely are a lot of scenarios where getting in-person physical therapy versus doing like a home exercise program can lead to better confidence better patient reported outcome and like when in one of these scales so while i do think it does measure you know patient 
ability and our patient perceived disability that um, there is a little bit to consider with how much time, how much face-to-face -face time with the provider that the people in the PT group got versus the ones who just got the injection. And they do acknowledge that in their discussion section as a relevant factor to consider. Yeah, and I agree with that. I would also say that I think that the patient's perception is reality. And so I think that, you know, especially in something like a chronic, um, a chronic osteoarthritis and a chronic pain, um, that's probably like what's most important to the patients are pain and then their functional outcomes because of the pain and the disability and their perception of the disability. So I would argue that this is, um, you know, basically a good thing to measure because obviously I'm looking at studies of all different kinds of diseases and sometimes we measure like mortality or hospitalizations or um, different kinds of morbidity, but that's just not what you're going to measure in osteoarthritis. True. Um, okay, so we'll talk about how um, they, the primary outcome was the Womack scores at one year. And so for um, the glucocorticoid injection group, the mean was 56. And then for the physical therapy group, the mean was 37. And so like Andy had said, um, 56 would mean a high, like is obviously a higher score than 37 and um, 50, and that would mean like what more pain, dysfunction, or stiffness. Right, but it is at a 240. So mm -hmm. someone at 240 is completely debilitated. Someone at 50 is not quite zero, which would be no limitation, but is, you know, maybe about 20% of the way there or 20% away you know only 20 percent debilitated if we're, if we're just you know putting a number on it yeah and i know that uh you're gonna comment on the do you just want to comment on that oh sure the the standard deviations on this was huge so the standard deviation in like the injection group you know their their median their their mean score was 55 but the standard deviation was 50 so that means they're in you know within 95 percent of the population, there were people who scored five on the Womack, and there were people who scored a hundred on the Womack. So, obviously, a lot of variance. Now, they accounted for some of that variance by saying, like, "Hey, we included people of all different kinds of severity of NeoA." So that could explain part of the variance in the standard deviation too. Maybe if they would have selected just to work on Kelgren Lawrence three and fours, like maybe that variance wouldn't have been there as much. Also, maybe if they would have narrowed their age group a little bit, because saying that your you know cutoff is thirty eight, like if you have thirty eight year olds in your study and you have sixty five year olds in your study, like that's going to increase a lot of the standard deviation as well too, because those thirty eight year olds are probably going to recover a little bit faster. Um, it's also just a condition where people can have flare ups and calm down, and sometimes it's you know not in correlation with the treatment that you're doing. So that's, I think it can also lead to some of the variance in the data. But, I mean, they had enough people. They only needed 138 to power their study mm -hmm. appropriately, and they had more than enough for that. So we, th I think we can draw a conclusion from that finding, even if there is uh, a bit of variation in the data. Yeah, and I know we didn't talk about Table 1, but the groups were randomized well. The one um, factor that was like a, different between the groups, um, despite randomization, was that the... Kellengren Lawrence, uh, Kellengren Lawrence uh, grade, like so, the radiographic um, evidence uh, was three to four 
more often in the physical therapy group. So basically like more severe radiological evidence of um, knee OA in the physical therapy group compared to the glucocorticoid injection group. Right. Also, um, something that was in there is that there were like 21 patients that actually crossed over ROOP. So there were um, seven patients who were started in physical therapy, but then also got a glucocorticoid injection, glucocorticoid injection. And then there were 14 patients who were getting glucocorticoid injections, but also wanted to get some PT. So that 21 patients kind of varying over, I almost kind of wondered if that was enough for them to make their own subgroup analysis. They didn't do that, but what, what would you think about not, not enough people? I mean, so they used intention to treat analysis in this, and I like that, and I don't think that the point of this podcast is to get into, like, why intention to treat analysis is good, um, but I think that it is good, and that's... We can make this whatever we want it to be. <laughs> that's true, but I think that, um, you know, I think that that is good, and so that, uh, you know, I'm glad that they did that. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I also don't love subgroup analyses just because I think a lot of the times you're I don't know just like manipulating I mean you are right you're manipulating statistics more yeah, and more which, right right yeah. so I mean I, I don't know I'm not gonna claim to be a statistics whiz but I think that the way that they did it with intention to treat um like I think that we can draw conclusions from that mm -hmm. and I I think it's okay to do what you just did and consider um the crossover but um, because they did intention to treat, I think that, um, like you said before, I think we can, we can draw conclusions from this. Right. And then from the outcome, the MCID, minimally clinically important difference for the WOMAC is only 12 to 16 percent. And both groups did meet the MCID. So they both did get better. Although, you know, there, the paper does support that the physical therapy group did do significantly better when comparing between group analysis at the, um, at the one-year point, not necessarily at the four-week point, correct? Right. Right. Um, yeah, and I think, I guess that's like another thing that we can talk about is it's nice, one year is good, um, more years would be better, obviously. Mm -hmm. So it would just be more information um, to know how... I, I would just be interested to know how people were doing five years out um, or, or more. And I think just because we talked about how um, osteoarthritis is a chronic condition, I think that they did comment on surgery. Um, yeah, there were some people that ended up getting it knee replacement. I think it was three people out of the injection group ended up getting a total knee replacement. Yeah, and one ended one. up getting a arthroscopy or something. Uh, part, yeah, arthroscopy. You're right. You're right. Yeah. One got arthroscopy, three got a total knee. But those were all in the injection group, which is interesting because right. the injection group was actually the least severe at the start of the study. Right. Yeah, and I was thinking are people who are um, I guess willing, well, both of them should be willing to get procedures because they were just randomized. Mm -hmm. So it shouldn't be like people who are willing to get procedures are willing to get surgery. I guess those people could have potentially been in an orthopedic surgeon, surgeon's office to get the glucocorticoid injection. So was that why um, they also talked about uh, surgery? I, I don't know. 
Possibly. Um, I always wonder, you know, like if you ran this study back, but you had the patients select what intervention they wanted. Again, exclude the people that have had the interventions before, but have them select their own. Would patient self-selected intervention have a difference in the outcomes versus being randomized into it? Hmm, that's interesting. Or, you know, you could, like I said, plenty of um, primary care physicians do their own injections in clinics. So it would just also be interesting to see um, – if it would change at all if people were getting these injections in a primary care clinic as opposed to like a subspecialty clinic like orthopedics or rheumatology. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but um, the fact that they were still having benefit because their numbers were all lower, whether you got the injection or whether you got the physical therapy at the one-year follow-up is a, is a positive thing to think that you know at least this amount of intervention is enough to make a lasting difference, can we say? One year's enough to be... Oh, lasting, yeah. yeah I mean, at a, least a difference meaningful. in one year, yeah. Um, so, um, other thing I was thinking about was that... Oh, where was that thought? Where did that thought go? So, we're talking about people who got surgery versus those who didn't, the physical therapy group. Also, they're working with physical therapists. Physical therapists might have their own biases against surgery. Um, I know I try not to present my biases to patients, but it probably leaks through a little bit that I, I work in conservative management and surgery, you know, surgery is kind of the antithesis of conservative management. So people working with a physical therapist may be biased a little bit towards it by their provider to say like, oh, I don't really feel like getting surgery. My physical therapist doesn't really want me to get surgery. There's a possibility. Yeah, that's a possibility. And like I said, yeah, I think that's definitely a possibility. And like I said, that some of the people who were getting the injections were in a surgeon's office. So I think that mm. definitely could have played a role. Mm-hmm. Um, I think other things uh, to mention are um, just that this is uh, the first study, at least that uh, that I know of, um, and that I could find to directly compare corticoid steroid injections with physical therapy. Um, and obviously, like we said, it found um, a clinically meaningful benefit um, with physical therapy compared to um, corticosteroid injections. So, um, Well, there was a clinically meaningful benefit for the injection, too. It's not to say the injections didn't help anybody. Just maybe not as much as the physical therapy. Right, not as much as the physical therapy. And the reason why I think that this is really interesting is because um, 50% of patients with NEOA in the United States receive a corticosteroid injection before total need replacement. And that's four times um, as many people who receive physical therapy. So, you know, mm-hmm. I think there's probably a bias in medicine. Um, to give those injections. Well, I don't want to. I don't want to blame the victim here. But do you think it might be that patients might also select to get a corticosteroid injection more so than they want to select to participate in physical therapy? So that's definitely a, a possibility. I think that it's a good thing to talk about because I, um, you know, we talked about how the average um, there was an average of two point six injections in the glucocorticoid injection group. Well, there was a mean of. 12 treatment visits for the physical therapy group Mm -hmm. so obviously for if you're like calculating patient time um that's 
more time for patients to have to go to physical therapy than to get um, like two or three injections with a physician. That's a really good point, and I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because physical therapy has um, costs, right? And they're not just um, they're not just fi- financial costs. They're also time costs and emotional costs, and there's you know some mental effort that goes into there too. And these patients were all given home exercise plans, so not only were they doing things in the sessions, they were also expected to do things at home. So that is, again, more time commitment to something. As far as the financial costs, they did – track um, knee, um, spending on knee health care for that <laughs> one year, right? So they found that the median values were actually, or the mean values were almost exactly the same, about um, $2,100 for whether you got the injection or whether you got the PT. Um, the median numbers were different, though. The median numbers only only $1,100 you know, $1, for the shot and $2,000 for the PT because the PT probably had a bit more consistent cost because they were all going for a certain number of sessions, whereas the injection cost, you know, is a little bit more variable because if you didn't get as many injections, you didn't have as many follow-ups with the ortho. I'm, gu- I'm guessing seeing an ortho is more expensive than seeing a PT. Yeah. <laughs> Their time should be more expensive anyway. Um, that might be why the there's a little bit more variance in the cost there. So if they cost about the same financially, but the definitely the time cost of physical therapy is a little bit greater, you could potentially make the argument that the shot, the injection, is a little bit less costly to the patient. Yeah, you could probably make that. You also should probably consider like side effects. Side effects of um, glucocorticoid injections are rare, but um, people do get um, infections of the joint, like Mm -hmm. a septic arthritis. Um, I think in this study, they had one patient faint, which is unfortunate (laughs) from the, from the steroid injection. Um, if I see a needle that big, I, I probably faint too. Yeah. And then there's, you know, there's some thought that, um, like it can degrade away the, uh, like the cartilage and things Mm -hmm. like that. So, um, I mean, those are real, like I said, they're, they're rare, but they're real risks and side effects. I would think that that's, that there are less side effects with physical therapy, I guess is what I'm getting at. Sometimes there are some negative, um, adverse events that can happen in physical therapy, like patient falls or, um, delayed onset muscle soreness can be considered an adverse effect by some. Um, but yeah, probably a, a few less infections and a few less fainting in therapy. I can, I can, I can attest to that. Okay. Well, any final thoughts on that? Um, I don't think so. I mean, I think that this is um, a good study. And I think, I feel like I say this after every paper that I read is that we should probably do more research on it. Um, but I do think that this is an interesting problem and that could benefit from more research, maybe, um, I guess, like a larger patient population. I will comment on just because I work in a military health system that 20% um, of the patients were active duty, which I think, um, I I don't know if it affects it at all, but active duty people are, uh, I guess, directly motivated to um, be able to exercise because they undergo um, physical fitness testing, which like directly affects their um, employment and even like their 
um, advancement in their career and their pay and things like that. So I think that these people, um, those people might be more motivated than other Americans. I'm not saying that other Americans aren't motivated. Um, maybe putting, like, I'm showing some of my bias now. But uh, I think that that's something to consider. So, you know, with different patient populations, we would just understand more. And then, um, like we already talked about, knowing further out what these, um, what the effects are. Yep, I think that sums it up very nicely. Uh, Thank you very much for joining us this evening, presenting this article. Again, I will reiterate to all our listeners, if you have um, a bit of PT literature or other outside, you know, medical provider literature that you're interested in discussing, please send it to me, email it to me, text it to me, send it by carrier pigeon, however you want to get it to me. And we will set up a time to have one of these discussions. We'll record it and send it out to other therapists that are included in the email list. Please add people to the email list as you talk to people about this, as you spread the news, um, as you share how much you just love listening to me talk about PT literature. All right. Thank you all and good night. Good night.